Welcome to Harvest Beyond Sunday, a podcast that seeks to inform and equip the members of Harvest Church, as well as celebrate what God is doing in and through our body. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Harvest Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Wes Selectman. We got Noah Martin, Sonia Watkins here, and we are transitioning to the final third of the book, Every Good Endeavor by Timothy Keller, where we begin really solidifying a new framework and a new worldview and a new a way of operating, a new direction for our work where he's going to, we've kind of been assessing the situation before sin into the world, assessing the situation of what it's like now with sin in the world in our work. And he's going to, he's moving on to, okay, now how do we operate under this biblical world view, especially as it relates to our work? So I'm excited about this final section. We'll have two special guests in the last two episodes. I uh, won't spoil those, uh, drop any names on you. You'll just have to stay tuned, but they're going to be dynamite. So does, that son- mean, does that mean that Noah and I are out? No, 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 no. We're all in. We're okay. all we in. Okay. Cut. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if this was like it. Listen, this is where th- we're that three-stranded cord, mm-hmm. okay? Mm. It's not easily broken, all right? We, we're, we're, we're plowing ground through the end of the book, okay? We missed you on one episode, uh, and it was mainly because JB's schedule wasn't conducive for all of ours. And uh, we had to cater to his needs because everyone knows the older brother always gets his way. So, uh, well, because I have a biblical worldview of everything, I'm good with that. Good. Thank you. Oh, gosh, what a transition. That was very mm-hmm. charitable. Mm-hmm. Sonia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just keep it going. Sonia. Let's keep it going. So, uh, this new story, 1 Corinthians 10 31. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And uh, that in itself, I think, is very convicting. Golly, just everything everything about us is all about God's glory. It is not about us. It is not about what we want. Uh, it's about God's glory. And loved how he opened this up with making sense of the world. You think about that's what we all do on an everyday basis, right? We're trying to make sense of the world. Yeah, and I love the way he describes it too, that we're we all kind of function according to a story that kind of defines reality. And uh Tim Keller talks a lot about how any story is going to include a problem of some some kind and a resolution of some kind. And we know that uh from a Christian perspective, through a biblical worldview, um, the ultimate problem is the existence of sin. And to tie it back to that opening verse, first 10, first Corinthians 10 31, um, you know, sin is what prevents us from seeking the glory of God in all that we do. So that's really the problem that we face. The solution is, is the redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus, um, that he came to, uh, save us from our sins. And, uh, and because of our salvation and because of, God's redemptive purpose in Christ, um, we can have confidence that, you know, the, the story, uh, that we're a part of is a, a story of, uh, victory, victory through Christ. And because of that, we can do all whatever, whatever our work entails, we can do everything to the glory of God. Um, we can have confidence that we're doing that. So do you really think that our listeners and just, you know, the 7 billion people, 
on this earth? Do they do you think they are even aware that they have a narrative like they are living out what they believe the narrative to be true on an everyday basis? I don't I was pondering this. I don't think many circles outside of the Christian circle, or maybe it could be outside of the religious circles, even discuss this idea of world view that we are operating out of a sense of a story or a narrative. So I don't think so. I think most people are engaged in their own personal endeavors, their own personal stories, their own personal problems, their own small little circle, and never really think about why am I living and doing, uh, or maybe they think about it, but they don't have a great solution for it. And so we're drawn to all kinds of philosophies. We're drawn to all kinds of distractions. We're drawn to all kinds of um, pressures in life or whatever. You know, we just, we just draw ourselves to anything but what the scriptures and the Lord would want us to be drawn to, and that is the the gospel. And he, he being Tim, Timothy Keller in his book, says a worldview poses three questions. So let's stop and just sort of take a minute to define worldview. You kind of hit on this a minute ago, uh, Noah, but uh, he says a worldview, and everyone has one, whether they know it or not, which is your point, Sonia, answers three questions. Question number one, how are things supposed to be? Question number two, what is the main problem with things as they are? And question number three, what is the solution and how can it be realized? So everyone, if they were asked those questions, even if they say, well, I don't know, that's operating from a worldview. That means you don't care or you're not really willing to even consider it, which means you're operating from a self-centered worldview. Mm-hmm. You don't actually care about what's happening in the world. So even the, an answer of I don't know is telling. But I think everyone, if they were asked those three questions, could come up with something. But to your point, how many people are actually thinking about this? Right. Yeah. I mean, they're just on default. You know, I think we said in an earlier podcast, you know, someone is influencing you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think for us to pause for a minute and say, what is influencing my narrative that I believe that's true? And so what makes up this narrative? Well, it's our attitudes, it's our belief systems and our values. Those 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 things are the one that shapes our thinking. And then what shapes our behaviors, our thinking. So we act out of what we think to be true. I think that's what Roman, why Romans speaks so much to the renewing of our mind, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my mind went to that exact part from a previous podcast as well, that we, you know, if we're, if we think that nothing is influencing us, whether we know it or not, something is influencing us. We're, we're, you know, taking in all these different perspectives and worldviews on a regular basis. But one of the great blessings of being a Christian, we talked about this a little bit before the show. One of the great blessings of being a Christian is knowing um, that there, the Lord has provided us with a filter quote unquote uh, through which to view reality and to view the decisions we make and the work we do. Um, And that filter is scripture and it may may not talk explicitly about every decision that we face in our life or every kind of work that we could possibly do. 
but it does give us the ability to uh, construct a worldview um, that's actually intelligible and that has a, a specific purpose and that's targeted, as we were talking about at the very beginning, to the glory of God. Um, that's, and, and we get to take part in the redemptive work that he's doing as well. Um, consider the alternative on the flip side. You know, if you don't subscribe to, um, Christianity or, you know, really a religious or philosophical system at all, whether you know it or not, you're being influenced by outside forces, by outside belief systems. Um, but ultimately you're, you're trying to look within yourself to determine what is right, to determine what your purpose is, what your significance is. Um, and that's a really, frankly, that's a much more difficult proposition trying to figure that out for yourself from within yourself than if you were to apply something that the God of the universe has provided to us to help us actually interpret the reality we're a part of. I'd rather have something real outside of myself, objective, that helps me to, to figure out you know, figure out this world that we're a part of than to try to look within myself, uh, at the kind of subjective feelings that are always in flux, um, to try to create meaning out mm-hmm. of, out of our reality. Yeah. So when, uh, we get the narrative wrong, then we get our life responses. We get the response to that narrative wrong. And that is across the board. That is in our work. If we think, a certain way about, you know, how work is supposed to make us feel and be our identity or our marriage or our relationships. It when we get the narrative wrong, then it affects all of our personal and social circles, and we wind up um, identifying a different problem and a different solution rather than what the gospel says, right? So to get the narrative right, when we put on our gospel lenses, uh, we can see and apply God's grace and the hope of redemption to our personal and social and work situations. You're absolutely right. Basically, what both of you are saying is when we get question number one wrong, Mm -hmm. how are things Mm -hmm. supposed to be? then we get everything else wrong. Everything downstream. Yeah, everything downstream gets impacted, and we start identifying false problems and false solutions, like you said, Sonia. So when we don't understand how things are supposed to be from a biblical worldview, which, to your point, Noah, should involve the Bible, go figure, so then, then everything else is is faulty. And so when we say, well, what is the main problem with things as they are? Some people go, well, there's no, there's no real problem. Yeah, it's bad, but you know, whatever. I'm just doing my thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or they say, well, the problem is the Republicans. The problem is the Democrats. The problem is the, uh, you know, other nations around the globe are doing this, that, and the other. The problem is, is my spouse makes me do the dishes. Uh, no, you know, anyway, those are minor problems. But we identify other causes instead of the root cause, which is sin. And when we don't identify sin as the problem with the way things are, we can't identify the solution, which is the gospel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that all begins with having a wrong answer to question number one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I'm going to go ahead and throw a grenade in into the mix here. 
um, less than 9% of Christians, 9% of believing Christians do not have a biblical worldview, according to the Barna Research Group. How about that one? That's a pretty big grenade. Yeah. Less than 9% of us that say that we believe Jesus Christ, that all that he did and taught and was, that that is not to be applied to our everyday life. We do not put on our gospel lenses in our personal and social and work circles. Less than 9%. Yeah, and there's, in my opinion, this could totally be wrong, but in my opinion, there are a few reasons for this. Number one, people aren't reading their Bible. Uh, when I say people, professing believers aren't reading their Bible. Number two, church becomes a social thing that we do, a cultural thing that we just do here in the South or wherever, and not a place to change us and mold us. And then number three, to move from just being a Christian, but being a Christ follower. And so if we don't have scripture in the church molding us, changing us, obviously with the power of the Holy Spirit too, can't leave out the third person of the Trinity, that would probably get us zapped on this podcast. (laughs) So uh, without the, the Holy Spirit, let's put the Holy Spirit first, and then the Word of God, and then the church sanctifying us to become moved from just identifying as a Christian, but to being a Christ follower, making an impact and operating through this biblical worldview. I just think most believers, this other 91%, are probably not doing uh, for sure one of those three things, uh, but maybe none of them. Hmm. And so what that's telling us is that most Christians are looking to, toward, to the world as the problem and the solution. Hmm. We know that's not the problem. We know that's not the solution, but we're looking to the world for that. So to put it in another way, they are looking to their jobs, their spouses, their roommates, um, anything that, you know, so that is either the problem or I'm going to idolize that and become and it become the solution. Hmm. Yes, Anya, it's not always Christians that are identifying something's wrong with the world and that the solution is the world. I was reminded, as you said that, about a popular song in the 90s by Aerosmith called Living on the Edge. Do not go watch the video, especially if children are around. It's not appropriate. But he opens the song with, there's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. We're seeing things in a different way. And he says something strange here that you wouldn't expect from I presume, probably not a Christ follower. And he says, and God knows it ain't his. It sure ain't no surprise. And he goes, we're living on the edge. So he, he identifies that there's something wrong. Later in the song, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't come up with a, a solution. But somehow in his, and we'll get to this in the next chapter, in his common grace, he knows the world ain't right with God. And we're not following this biblical worldview, even even from just one secular song here. From the great philosopher, the great philosopher Stephen, Stephen Tyler. Uh, what a weird dude! But I got a feeling we're going to fade out to this song. We, uh, we might fade out to this song. Yep. I figured out when I was younger, I can watch a lot of movies 
and things that are, you know, probably not healthy for a lot of people and didn't really affect me. But I let the music of the 90s heavily, heavily influence my heart, my emotions, and my worldview. I had to I had to repent from secular music for many, many, many years. I still have for the most part. Uh, but it negatively impacted my worldview, listening to angry Nirvana and filthy rap and different things. It just, because I wasn't operating, uh, I was saved, but I wasn't uh, using the operation manual, the Bible that you spoke of, Noah, to influence my worldview. And I wasn't in church. Well, I was kind of in high school, but I was forced to be there. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> but anyway. I felt like something took. Yeah, something mm, took at some right. point. There was a foundation. That's correct. But I was heavily influenced by music, and I didn't even realize it. I just manipulating my worldview. So it's dangerous. But at the same time, we can see people know there's something wrong with the world. So, yeah, even the secular worldview knows that there's something wrong with the world, right? And so, and that something's not right with the world, with God, right? With so, the, with respect our, to our relationship yeah, with God. Yeah, so that's right. we are broken in our relationship with God. So, the gospel worldview comes along and works beautifully to make sense of these three things, that the whole world is good. And we see that in Genesis 2, that God is even saying, you know, he is viewing what he has made, and he is saying that it's good. Uh, the whole world is fallen. We see that in Genesis 3. And the whole world is going to be redeemed. And that's the promise of the Redeemer in Genesis 3.15. Yeah, so it's a it's a both and. It's kind of like how we describe the the already not yet of the kingdom of God um, that in one sense, we're already living in the kingdom of God because Jesus has come. He's died for our sins. He's resurrected from the grave. Um, but we're also living in a not yet period in the kingdom because Jesus has yet to return. Um, and when we look at Genesis two, we see that the whole world is good. Genesis three, like Sonny was saying, we see that the world has fallen. Both of those things are true simultaneously. Um, but we ultimately know where we're headed and that's to, toward redemption, toward Jesus's return, uh, when things will be made good, made good, when things will, uh, when sin will be eradicated once and for all. So in the meantime, is what you're saying. Yep. In the meantime, how are we going to put on this gospel narrative and do the things that we do on this earth in business uh, the book even talks about in, in journalism, uh, the gospel in higher education, the arts, medicine, all of this. So let's keep our gospel glasses on for a minute and go through how the gospel changes everyday life. I think the first thing, and we've kind of already said it, but let's just say it again, is that the gospel declares we do not have a right relationship with God. And since we don't have a right relationship with God, uh, we're separated from Him. So we must be, in order to even operate from a gospel worldview, we must be reunited. That's through salvation in Jesus Christ. So we can't operate from an authentic place of a biblical worldview empowered by the Holy Spirit in our daily work and in our daily grind. Remember that verse we read at the beginning says, whether you eat or drink, those are daily activities, life necessity things without having a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
then the second thing that the gospel tells us is not just our relationship with God is 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 jaded and needs to be fixed, but our relationship with everything else, with our coworkers, with our spouses, and with our with our jobs. So the biblical worldview uniquely understands the nature, problem, and salvation of humankind as fundamentally relational. So you need to head into your your uh, business, your journalism, your higher education, all these arenas of your work, understanding that you are an ambassador of God. And uh, likely you may have some other ambassadors of, of God that you work with, but you may not have others. And, and you have to enter into those scenarios, those daily situations uh, knowing that you have the ministry of reconciliation as that ambassador and to do good work to help reconcile and restore the earth, but also those relationships you're with and do the best you can to do that. So that's, that'd be one thing that applies to every arena of, of work that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and just the flip side of that coin, because uh, I'm a flipper, um, that secular worldview in business is money and power. Mm-hmm. And the gospel, just as you said, I love it, relational. Mm-hmm. Gospel says relation. Secular says money and power. Yeah, I love that. You, you were from a secular, secular worldview, money and power are viewed as the ends themselves. We as believers recognize that money and power are to be wielded for the end of glorifying God and pursuing the good of others, that relational focus again. So we don't want to mistake. We don't want to buy into the secular, secular worldview that somehow money and power are just good for their own sake. They're only good when they are actually used for the purpose of glorifying the Lord and furthering the good of others. And we all know that we are in a season of election. Boo. And so this journalism piece really jumped out, right? So what does secular say? There's a storyline of heroes and villains, there is a party that's right. There's a party that's the problem. Yeah, you know, I, I, I probably should just keep my mouth shut here because I've pretty much We probably stopped. are already <laughs> done <laughs> for with the Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. but, so you just go ahead. Just keep going. Just keep going. I, yeah. I, I'm not really a fan of watching news specifically about politics mainly because they rarely ever tell you what they're actually for they're always telling you what they're against about the other party or they're it's just constant defense mechanisms and no one ever really tells you uh, you know what what they're they're for on either party and i'm sorry to burst your bubble but if you happen to think one party is the christian party and the other one isn't it's just not true there may be some uh, a greater degree of Christian values on one or the other, but neither one of them at a grand scale and probably even a micro scale, when you get right down to it, across the board are operating from a biblical worldview. Now, I'm not telling you don't vote, don't pay attention. I'm just telling you don't put your full hope in whoever's in the White House. Son, you said it before we ever started. You trust in God's sovereignty. We see in Scripture how He uses false kings and false uh, rulers and all this other stuff to accomplish his purposes. Now, I do think we need to strive t- 
towards having and promoting leaders who support a biblical worldview. I'm all for that. But man, that's hard to find. And and I um, I really don't enjoy the bias you get from journalism and newscast today. It uh, it really it, it just drives me insane. So I don't even pay attention much. Even those that claim they're conservative, right? Even conservative in their views. Just next time you turn the TV on, just look are are they assigning a hero and a villain? Well, that is speaking into your worldview. And the gospel says that it's about sacrifice, it's about perseverance, it's about what God is going to do eventually, right? We're we're not here to make everything right on this earth. Things aren't going to be right until Jesus makes them right. Yeah, and I think something else with the the secular worldview when it comes to journalism and politics, you know, regardless of which— which side you maybe identify with more than the other. Um, the secular worldview is going to demand in absolute terms that you think that everything about quote unquote, your side is good and everything about quote unquote, their side is bad. And we're, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because uh, I know we're going to talk about this more when we cover chapter 10. But um, so when you're operating from a biblical worldview, you're, you're actually able to be very realistic and take each issue kind of in turn and recognize, you know, this is an area where my side is really kind of off target. Simultaneously, you're able to look at the other side and acknowledge when they're doing good work or they're championing good causes. It's, it's not this absolute we're right in every case and they're wrong in every case. When you're operating as a believer, as a citizen of heaven, first and foremost, um, and only secondarily as a citizen of this earthly uh, country kingdom that we call America, you know, you're able to actually um, assess things objectively and and not buy into this constant, you know, tug of war. So we just get to we get to celebrate the good that is being advanced by both sides and we can realistically um, identify the bad that's being advanced by both sides. Um, and that's something, again, that's extremely countercultural. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about when you're operating from a secular worldview, I can only imagine that people whose identity is wrapped up exclusively in politics, they probably live with just a constant cognitive dissonance because they're being told that if they're not in step to the, to the period <laughs> on, on every issue, then they don't belong in this group that promises them belonging. Um, as believers, we recognize our ultimate belonging is not with one side or the other. Our ultimate belonging is with the kingdom of heaven. Our ultimate belonging and identity is uh, as followers of Christ. Like Wes was saying earlier, I love the the phrase followers of Christ, Christ followers. It's something we're doing actively on this earth. Um, so that's just, frankly, that's one of the very liberating kind of byproducts of being a believer is that you don't feel captive um, to the kind of absolutes on either side. Yeah, the absolutes of the world, which you talked about earlier, Sonia, of, of us identifying the problem and the solution within the world. Um, but uh, this happens in other spheres, not just the political and journalism sphere. So we can talk about this in higher education and the arts and in medicine, where there's this secular worldview uh, in education. It's kind of an, uh, an elitist mentality. I went to this school instead of that school. That's, that's fantastic. I know plenty of people that went to really great schools that 
don't have sense to get in out of the ring. Don't that's exactly right. You said that much nicer than I was going to. <laughs> Thank you. So it in in and I know plenty of people that never went to college that are some of the greatest human beings on earth that that have barely have a high school education and and, and they're though, and they're geniuses at whatever work they've exactly gotten involved right. in. Literally they yep. yeah. But biblical worldview says everything that I have is from the Lord. Mm. Yeah, and we talked about that in an earlier episode. Being a being a, 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 every you know every work has dignity. Yeah, and you know, too, what comes to mind is King Nebuchadnezzar going up and saying, "Look at my palace. Mm. Look what I've done." And the oh, Lord that didn't work out very well. For that him, did not. Did the Lord brings <laughs> us down humbly, right? Yeah, yeah. Didn't work out good for Saul and, and many of the others. Yeah, so gospel and the arts. Again, the book talks about this, where a secular point of view is uh, a lot of times in arts you have to – there is tons of beauty. There are uh, fabulous paintings and sculptures out there that really capture uh, just beauty on earth, but many of them – the art is all about self-expression and it's really graphic or we're going for shock value or there's just kind of emptiness and meaninglessness. So that would be one, the secular worldview is anything can be art. If it's what comes from within you and it's a form of your self-expression and something you love and are motivated by and, and, and it, even if it impacts and connects with a few other in, you know, human beings, then that's art. Whereas the the gospel says there is no there we can we can have art that tells the reality of life that there is a problem with the world and we can also celebrate the beauty of God's creation and celebrate the beauty that is on display we can create beautiful music and beautiful notes we can recognize that God gave us the ear and the melody and to hear all this and in food probably my greatest and favorite form of art you know and the taste and the ingredients and the flavors here on earth and we can elevate those things because as art but we have to understand that it's an expression of God's love for us mm-hmm. and God's created gift and not That's an expression right. of our inner workings and just our own self-expression. But we can elevate art as, a, as, as something that God has given in celebrating what he's done for us. Yeah, and just bringing in that piece uh, that we have had in other podcasts about he is inviting us into creativity. I mean, the art of creation, you know, we are invited into this. It's it's not to be used as as demeaning and self-expression. This is how I view things, so this is what I'm going to display, and you're going to have to look at it on a billboard or on the side of a building, but to to create good. God created good things, and he— he wants us to be a part of that. Yeah. My favorite billboard art is all the lawyer billboards around Memphis. I just love looking at all the turn your wreck into a check billboards. I think around that may be the pinnacle of art. <laughs> Maybe the pinnacle. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, now we know uh, your degree of sophistication. Sophistication. Yeah. Yes. I guess. Unless it's a man of yeah. simple artistic pleasures. Simple. Yes. Yeah. yeah and, to, and to your point, Sonia, about how you know, as, as believers, we get to use art as a means of celebrating the good. Um, I, I think about how, uh, and I can't remember where I heard this and I'm paraphrasing heavily here, but, um, I, I remember reading 
before that every every good story, whether it's through however it's delivered through a novel, a short story, a poem, a, a movie, a TV show, every good story that's not explicitly tied to a gospel centered worldview, it does contain echoes of the mm, gospel. Yeah. And it's meant to draw our attention and our affection as human beings and ultimately attract us to the gospel itself. The best story of all stories, um, the, the one true good story. And, um, and so I just, I, I love that point. I can't, again, can't remember where I read it for the first time, but how art, when it is good or think of, think about even music, like listening to music. Uh, I think about like a symphony where the notes, the melodies come together beautifully and how it moves you to emotion. Um, even that can start to, you know, open our eyes to the beauty of God himself. And, and again, that beauty most, most perfectly encapsulated in the gospel. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up this, this chapter, this, we could talk for three or four more episodes on this chapter. It is deep. It's heavy. It's impacting our world. I think, Get the book, read this chapter. There are some great diagnostic questions in the last section of this book where he's talking about how the Christian worldview shapes all work. So, you know, he, he just a couple of the questions. What's the storyline of the culture in which I live in the field where I work? Who are the protagonists and antagonists? What are the underlying assumptions about meaning, morality, origin, and destiny? Where, what are the idols, the hopes, the fears? So there's just some diagnostic questions that he goes on with a greater, a further list there to help us assess how to view the gospel and our work together and through this lens of the biblical worldview. So maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're still out there going, okay, I'm convinced. I need to be operating from a biblical worldview. What is that? Let's mention a few resources. We can put them in the in the show notes. But again, we've already mentioned one. That's just it's spending time in your Bible, having a daily reading plan. The more you read Scripture, the more you see the themes and the theology jump out at you. So that brings me to my next couple resources. Any really solid book on biblical theology is going to be helping tie together the major biblical themes. I love one called According to Plan by Graham Goldsworthy. It's simple. It's easy. You can be a type A or type B and enjoy this book. And and it really spells out what God's trying to do. Another great one it's from Nine Marks, simple, small book called What is the Gospel? And he just says, he, he, he just lays out the gospel so clearly from creation to fall to redemption to consummation, and it just paints a succinct worldview. Lastly, uh, giving a shout out to another podcast, you know, listen to ours first, of course. Of but course. then if you want to listen to Al Mohler's podcast, he's kind of a big deal. But his podcast, The Briefing, is really all about operating – from a biblical worldview, and he's taking current events, current situations, and just kind of diagnosing them. And and so the, anyway, he's much smarter than three of us combined. Uh, but so I would suggest you start diving in and learning. Maybe it's maybe it's a mission. Okay, I'm in. I get it. Now what? Read some of these resources. Read your Bible and continue to learn more. And just be self aware. Like before you react to a narrative, a problem, 
stop for a moment, put your gospel lenses on and say, what's the real problem here? Who's the real enemy? And what's the solution? And sometimes the enemy is yourself. Mm. That's a hard one to swallow. So what are our takeaways today? Hmm. Well, my takeaway is, is that Wes likes Graham Goldsworthy, Aerosmith, and billboards of class action attorneys. He's he's a, an eclectic man, very eclectic. You're a weird guy, Ace. <laughs> <laughs> My takeaway is the grenade you threw in, Sonia. About nine percent of Christians are operating from a biblical worldview, so that's a sad indictment on us as believers and followers. I assume that's American Christianity. It may not be an indictment on the entire global C church, but that's. Uh, and I, look, I'm guilty of that. I, you know, there's there are days I have bad days where I'm not operating from that biblical worldview, but uh, where you just suggested take a step back and think about the situation. But I, I man, I hope I am. But that gives me pause. Am I really doing this? Am I really thinking about the gospel in my work and daily life? So that was that was a big grenade. Yeah, I think my my main takeaway is probably very similar to Sonia's. Obviously, the Graham Goldsworthy. Aerosmith, billboard art, stuff of that sort. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, oh, there's so much more weirdness in my head that I did not disclose. So <laughs> maybe maybe next episode. <laughs> but on a more serious note, I would say I just love the point about being self-aware. You know, what what is shaping your understanding of the problems in this world? What narrative is is informing how you view the solution to the world's problems? Um, I just think that's a great point and it's so applicable to just every area of our life. Um, obviously specifically with regard to work, as we've been talking about this whole season, you know, what's the problem with our work? Uh, why don't we want find work fulfilling sometimes? Why does it feel fruitless? Why does it feel pointless? Why do we make work our idol? Um, and then what's the solution? And we know that the solution comes through the gospel, applying a biblical worldview to the work that we do and any sort of problems that we confront. Well, amen. Just know that you are being influenced. And if it's not through the Holy Spirit, it's not through God's Word, then chances are it is coming from a non-biblical worldview. And that doesn't mean there aren't good things out there. That's what we're going to get to in the next episode. Uh, But as much as possible, let's operate from a biblical worldview and, and have that influence us. So don't forget that if you want to send in some questions, then send that to noah at harvestmemphis.org. And we would love to entertain those questions in a final episode or want to share a story or whatever. So don't forget to do that. Hit that subscribe and like button, and we will see you next episode.